0: It's been a long time. We are living in a planet of conflicts. There are so many conflicts in this planet. There are so many wars going on. Many of them we know and many of them we are not aware of. But there are conflicts everywhere. If you think of Europe, there is conflict. If you think of Africa, there is conflict. If you think of Middle East, there is conflict. If you think of the Americas, there is conflict. If you think of Far East, there is conflict. If you think of India or China or Pakistan, Afghanistan, Nepal, Thailand, Myanmar, Colombia, Brazil. You think any place, there is conflict. And it's not a new conflict. There's always conflict. There's always conflict. And some of those conflicts escalate to become wars as well. And people have to go through that. So is that the fate of civilization? That as we progress, no matter how rich we become, no matter how wise we become, no matter how sophisticated we become, we still love to involve in conflict? Is that the fate of this civilization? Or are we getting into some conflict because these are designed so that there is something spicy up all the time, or it is simply the human civilization cannot exist without conflict. There are many theories that go on and on about conflicts. There are theories of social conflicts, there are theories of historical conflicts, and there are theories of mental conflicts as well. But the prime issue, the the most important issue here is are we going to endure this conflict forever? Are these conflicts going to stay here permanently? Or are these conflicts going to evolve into a new form of conflict? And the sad truth is, yeah, it looks like that. So whenever we talk about sustainability, we are trying to dream about a peaceful planet. A happy place, a happy planet. And a planet cannot be happy when there is conflicts everywhere. So I would like to talk about conflict and the impact of conflict on sustainability on today's show. The world has already seen two big wars. Two old wars. It has been over 70 years. We haven't seen a massive war in that scale but these 70 years were not peaceful if we say we lived in a peaceful era of 70 years we would be lying since the start of the United Nations it has come through numerous wars and conflicts and it has tried to mediate those conflicts as well and the big superpowers have often parted with one or the other party and oftentimes they are divided in some major conflicts within these 70 years. Even if we look into the conflict in the Korean Peninsula, it was the same thing. The superpowers are divided. If we look into the conflict in Asia, the superpowers are divided. If we look into the conflict between India and Pakistan, the superpowers are divided. It was the same about the conflict in Middle East. The superpowers are divided. The superpowers that came into existence after the second world war were divided and these are the same superpowers who were the designers of the united nations one of the biggest outcome of the second world war was the united nations and the establishment of united nations was to assure that the world will go through a peaceful phase And peace will be established in the world. But we have failed about that. After the series of conflicts, series of wars, series of battles, we have entered into one of the dangerous situations in the world politics now. The major superpowers are against each other in the latest series, and the battlefield is no other than Ukraine. Ukraine has become a battlefield where the superpowers are sowing their might. Looks like Russia and Ukraine are fighting each other, but every single country, every single country in the world has sided with one or the other superpower. It's not under our jurisdiction to say who is right or who is wrong. But as a public, as a common man, we never support war. We don't support war. You see one of the 17 SDGs is peace, justice and strong institutions. The world needs a strong monitoring institution that helps to establish peace and justice. But when we are talking about peace, we may forget about justice. And when we are talking about justice, we may forget about peace. Oftentimes, superpowers go into war for justice. So there is no peace because they are going into a war where civilians or multiple civilians are going to go a horrific phase and other times superpowers, the same superpowers will retain peace and do not speak up for justice. So peace and justice look like the same thing but it has always been conflicted in the history of politics and United Nations has shown its leadership in multiple occasions. In multiple cases, United Nations has proved to become one of the strong institutions, one of the strong global institutions in the world. But lately in this conflict, the United Nations has not done anything to bring the conflicted parties into a table. You see, every day, every morning, every evening, we visualize these news and clips from the battlefield. Nobody likes it, unless you, you are someone who loves war. As I said before, we, we would like the world to be a peaceful, peaceful place. But the conflict is going on, and both parties directly involved in this conflict are not backing up and it doesn't look like they are backing up anytime soon unless there is a dramatic U-turn in this story. The reason the conflict is happening looks like it is a tussle between the superpowers rather than a tussle between the neighboring powers people understand that, we understand that, so the solution for this conflict should come from the superpowers. As I said before, 70 years ago, the United Nations came into existence, and it tried to bring that peace and stability in many parts of the world. Has it something to do in this conflict? Can the United Nations prove itself as a role player to resolve this crisis? You see, this conflict has made millions of people refugees. In the start of the war last year in February, there were news about refugees. Now people do not talk about refugees because it's the old news, but the refugees are still refugees they have lost their homes, they have lost their families, they have left their home and families, and went somewhere else to stay in a camp, or as a status of a refugee. That should not be a fate of a 21st century human being. We live in the 21st century, and someone living in the heart of Europe has to go through the status of refugee and there are millions others who have lost homes and hundreds and thousands others who have lost their lives because they were involved in war they were involved in one of the two parties in the war. we keep on saying we don't live in a conventional world we don't live in a traditional world But the impact of this war is still conventional. The impact of this war is still traditional. People are still dying. People are still being homeless. People are still being traumatized. People still feel pain. People still cry. People are still suffering. People are still inflicting from the events and influence of this war, like in an irrecoverable way. You know, we often forget about Afghanistan and Iraq and Yemen and Somalia and other countries because the rich countries were not involved there or the big news, the headline news was not from those conflicts. But one way or the other, whatever the interest of the global communication chiefs is, this conflict is still in limelight. But there has been the discussion about what is happening there. The most smart people in the world are in the communication industry, are in the news industry. They have a huge role to swing a conflict from one side to another side. They are not just reporters. They can play bigger roles than that. But I haven't seen any significant role from any significant outlet a person. We have all become pro one party. I go see some of the news and they're completely biased. They saw the reporting from one side and try to vilify the other side. You can do you can go and do that research yourself. But nobody is talking about the resolution. And when there is no one talking about the resolution, it looks like there is no resolution in the new future because that is not in the plan. There are billions of dollars pumped in this war economy. And people are still dying of hunger and in the lack of clean drinking water. There are still kids burned today. People are having babies today who will never see school or who will die of malnutrition. And we talk about peace and justice and strong institutions and we talk about the war in Ukraine. We like to talk. As i said on my last podcast we are simply the consumers and we react to what we consume but never have we tried to see it as a holistic picture as a whole picture as being ourselves involved in that we as humanity we are involved you see when a big neighbor bullies a smaller neighbor it's not just one country, or it's not just happening in one geography. It happens in multiple geographies. So where is the justice? Where is the principle of coexistence? While the interest of big country may be compromised by a small neighbor, a small neighbor should understand and assure its bigger neighbor that they are not the threat to each other. They should not be threat to each other. Especially countries come and go, rulers come and go, but the citizens are there to stay. The ordinary people, they are not going anywhere. You can see in multiple locations, Most of these countries were born after the Second World War. If you go back 500 years ago, most of the countries in the world did not exist. But that did not mean that our ancestors did not exist. We all had our ancestors living on one or the other territory. They were under one or the other ruler. So the world politics is dynamic. It will keep changing the political boundaries will keep on changing the political interests will keep on changing the political theories will keep on changing the economic interests will keep on changing the way economics function will keep on changing but we as human beings we deserve to live in a world that is free of conflict we deserve not to be traumatized because of the interest of big players and that is the reason why we always advocated strong global institutions that can assure our human rights and bring practical solutions. When we talk about conflict, conflict always threatens sustainability. Because sustainability is a long-term goal. But conflict brings short-term pain. It brings short-term problems. It it obstructs the long-term plans. For example, the money is diverted. The money that was supposed to go fight poverty goes to the war machines. The money that was supposed to go fight Hunger goes to war machines. That's the same thing happening in Africa. You see, all these kids, they never went to school. They had to carry a gun and go to war. It happened in Nepal as well. All the kids from the remote Nepal in the 90s were pressured to go and fight a civil war that had no issue that had no understanding in this population. People did not know what they were fighting for. They were told they were fighting for a republic. They were told they were fighting a people's war. And they were asked to drop out from schools. And they were asked to carry a gun and fight. See, that's the impact of conflict. When there is conflict, the agenda of sustainability hibernates and the implication of that conflict is that we ended up with all these uneducated citizens they do not have a degree they do not have a qualification they do not have the understanding and education to achieve a high paying job and now they have become cheap labor or jobless adults. Nepal was lucky that the conflict ended up within a decade. And still the consequences of that conflict was a huge swath of population, was jobless adults, a huge swath of population was uneducated adults a huge part of the population did not get that quality education. And that's not the only implication that conflict had. And when I see it firsthand in front of my eyes, in my community, I can see conflict elsewhere and feel the pain. See, conflict brings pain, and nobody should live through that.